Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, City Church. So happy to be with you. Proud of you for being here with the raining and the cool weather. I know this was a morning you could have certainly slept in, but praise God you're here. I'm going to read God's Word. We're going to read the text for this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, be seated and get started. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to read through the rest of chapter 2. And the Word of the Lord says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your kindness to us and for nourishing us through your word. And Spirit, we pray that you would uh, have the word come alive in our hearts, uh, that we would understand it to, to the depths that we are changed by it, that we would leave here uh, closer to you, Jesus Christ. What appears as uh, just information, as a travel itinerary that Paul is talking about and, and two men, I pray that it would really uh, transform us in the gospel, that we would see the gospel of Jesus Christ through your word. Uh, we love you and we're Grateful to be gathered under your name, and it's in Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you may know this name. I don't know how many of us would know it uh, in 2022. Uh, Kent Brantley, Dr. Kent Brantley. And if this was 2014, you probably would know this name because Dr. Kent Brantley, uh, who has a church home here in Fort Worth and was at JPS. Uh, he was in Liberia, in Africa, doing medical missions. So this was eight years ago, and this was during the Ebola crisis. You remember the Ebola crisis? Well before we were talking about COVID, there was this, this, this disease, this outbreak that was affecting a good portion of Africa. In fact, in 2014, uh, from 2014 to 2016, over 10,000 people died from Ebola. And as Dr. Brantley was in Liberia doing medical missions and serving the people in Liberia, he contracted Ebola. Uh, he was quickly flown back to the United States, and if you remember the story, he was in isolation in a hospital uh, in Atlanta for nearly a month. He nearly died because Ebola is incredibly deadly, uh, it spreads rapidly, and most people who contracted Ebola did not survive. But Dr. Brantley did survive after much treatment. And about a month, he would say, uh, he did say that God had mercy on him and saved his life. Now, after this happened, uh, 
what, who was a relatively obscure doctor, obviously became pretty famous. And if you remember in 2014, he was one of the Time Magazine's Men of the Year. Uh, so he, he gained quite a bit of notoriety for his service and sacrifice. It was inspiring to a good portion of this world. About three years ago, actually, he and his family went back to Africa to serve in medical missions again. And he says uh, he had to go back to Africa. Just compassion for those people compelled him to return to that continent that he contracted that disease almost eight years ago and nearly died. So as we've been talking about Philippians, we've been looking at this in terms of life worthy of the gospel. And that's what we've titled our series, Life Worthy of the Gospel. And and each week, uh, we have asked the question, how does a life worthy of the gospel bring meaning to our lives? It's a noble question. The gospel brings lasting meaning to your life and, and to my life because it alone brings abundant and eternal life. It's the only thing that brings abundant and eternal life. There are, there are many other stories that we can live out of. There are many other worldviews available to us that advertise abundant life, but they always fall short. That's because the lens of the gospel, that the gospel is of first importance, should beg us the question, how then shall I live? If the gospel is bringing us eternal, abundant life, if it is of first importance, how then shall we live? What is truly meaningful in our lives? And today we're going to ask the question, what, what makes for meaningful servanthood? Meaningful servanthood. Now to catch us up uh, where we are in the book of Philippians, we're here at the end of chapter 2. Paul has the past few uh, verses, the past couple of passages actually, been helping us to see what, what does it mean to live a life worthy of the gospel in in his instructing the Philippians. So if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you've heard him say, don't grumble. You've heard him say, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You've heard him say, look out for others' interests. And now he's moving this, this week to not so much instruction as him telling us what to do, but actually offering up to us a couple of men. Uh, and I mentioned in the prayer that This essentially is a travel itinerary. Paul is writing from prison in Rome, letting the Philippians know, this is my plan for you. This is what I want to do. I want to send Timothy. I want to send Epaphroditus. He's been encouraging the Philippians to have the same mind and unity. He's been calling them to humble themselves like Christ, to honor one another in that humility, to grow in Christ's likeness together. And all of this because of the gospel. Uh, we can't detach any of that from the gospel. We've, we've said that it is the gospel, the fact that Christ died and rose again and moves us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is why we can say to live as Christ and to die as gain. And now in this passage, we're going to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Paul is essentially saying, hey Philippians, be, be like these guys. He may not come out and say that directly. He doesn't say, hey, be like these two men, but that is essentially the message of the passage this morning. And he would say, be like these guys because they are imitating Jesus Christ, because they are a picture of our Savior and our servant Christ. Now, let me explain a little bit briefly what's going on in this passage in case it was maybe a 
maybe a little confusing for us. Again, Paul is writing from prison in Rome. So he is not with the Philippians. He, is, he has sent them a letter. Uh, they have read the letter. Uh, and now he wants to send Timothy back to them to continue to encourage him. Now, uh, Paul and Timothy uh, planted the church in Philippi about 10 years before this letter is read at the church. And so you can read, as we talked about the first week in Acts 16, you can read all about how uh, Paul and Timothy were in Philippi and how they ministered to them. Uh, so Timothy was definitely known by the Philippians. There's no doubt uh, they, know, they knew Timothy, they, they loved Timothy. And so Paul is saying, I want to send Timothy back to you to encourage you. And he said, I'm going to do that as soon as I know what's happening with me. So Paul is anticipating that he will be released from prison. And as soon as he knows the details about that, he's going to send ahead of him Timothy. And then we read about this man named Epaphroditus. And we know uh, from later on in the book of Philippians that Epaphroditus is someone from the body that actually traveled to Rome to send uh, Paul, to give Paul a financial blessing, to give him a monetary gift. So he was a part of the Philippian church. He was sent to Rome to minister to Paul there. Uh, apparently, Epaphroditus gets really sick on the way. We just read that, that he was ill even to nearly the point of death. And what happened is somebody that was likely traveling with him went back to Philippi to tell them that he was sick. Because we read that they knew that he was ill, and that was actually part of the reason that Paul wanted to send him back to them, because he knew that the Philippians were, were anxious to hear if Epaphroditus was okay. And Paul wanted to send him back so that they can receive him with honor. So we get two accounts here in this text of meaningful servanthood in the stories of Timothy and Epaphroditus. So if you're taking notes, if you want to take notes, here is uh, the main idea from this morning. Uh, meaningful servanthood loves deeply, labors faithfully, and leaves much for the sake of the gospel. Meaningful servanthood loves deeply, it labors faithfully, and it leaves much for the sake of the gospel. Now let's start with uh, the loves deeply part. Uh, meaningful servanthood loves deeply. First of all, both of these men in this passage, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are clearly dear to Paul. Uh, the way he speaks about both of them, you could tell that he has a deep affection for both of these men. Uh, of course, Timothy has known Paul for uh, a longer time. They have a special relationship. They have, even as Paul says here, a father-son relationship. And Paul describes Epaphroditus as my brother. So this is familial language. This is father-son relationship. This is my brother relationship. And like we've seen before, there is uh, deep affection between Paul and the Philippians. We hit on that really hard in week one, that he just loves these people to death. And these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, love the Philippians as well. They love them deeply. You see in verse 20, that when Paul is sent back to Philippi, he will have genuine concern for their welfare. Do you see that in verse 20? Genuine concern. He has compassion for the Philippians. He has their interests at heart. We also see that Paul says he has no one like him and that all the rest seek their own interests. And we probably want to ask the question, what does that mean? Is Paul literally saying everybody else only serves their own interests? Everyone else is acting out of selfish ambition. 
I think what hap- what's happening here is Paul is referring back earlier in chapter 1. You remember when he was writing to the Philippians and said, there's some men here in Rome that are preaching Christ, but they're doing it from selfish ambition. There are men here who are preaching the gospel, but they're doing it with ill intent. And so in doing so, those men have essentially disqualified themselves from going to Philippi to care for them. But not Timothy. Not Timothy. Timothy actually does care for them. Timothy does not have selfish ambition or vain conceit. In fact, Paul sees Timothy really as an extension of himself. That's how close they are. It's almost like he's sending himself in the person of Timothy. Timothy, like Paul, has the affection of Christ for the Philippians. Do you remember when we talked about what that meant when you have the affection of Christ? That that is just really like coming up within you and your guts that you just love so much these people? That's Timothy. Timothy loves the Philippians. And he's looking to their interests. It says he's looking to the interest of Jesus Christ, but to say that he's looking to the interest of Jesus Christ is to say that he's looking to their interest. And the reason we know that is because serving Christ means that we serve his body. Serving Christ means we serve the church. Now, what about our our friend Epaphroditus that we read about? He also loves deeply for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse 26. It says that he has been longing... For the Philippians and and distressed because they knew he had been ill. And so again, he he loves these people and he doesn't want them to worry about him. And we can can relate to that. We we know when when someone is worried about us, we want to let them know that we're going to be okay. And this is exactly what Epaphroditus is wanting to do. He longs to be reunited with them. In fact, the, the language here when it says that he, is, he has been distressed because he heard that, the, that they knew that he was ill, the only other place in the Bible that uses that word is when Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, distressed before he goes to the cross. That's the type of distress that Epaphroditus is in. He desperately wants to return to his friends. These are his people, after all. This is, this is probably where he, he grew up in Philippi, so he knows a lot of them. He's personally seen the gospel radically transform their lives. These are dear friends, and he desperately wants to go see them again. One thing that's uh, playing out, maybe in the background as we read a passage like this, it might not be uh, nearly apparent to us right off the bat, but uh, have you considered as we've looked at this passage how Epaphroditus and Timothy longed to be with the Philippians and how that points us to the importance of the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. And simply put, if you love someone, you want to be with them. All of these men, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, didn't want to just settle for letter writing. Yeah, this was, this was, this was fantastic. This was God-ordained. This is how God was able to communicate at this time, given their circumstances. But they didn't want to just settle for a letter. They wanted to be back with them. They wanted to be able to give a hug. They wanted to share a meal. They wanted to pray alongside their family in Philippi. The incarnation of Jesus, that is, Jesus becoming a man to dwell with us. Jesus coming to us is a picture of, I need to be with you. This is Jesus saying, I need to be with my beloved. 
and there's that longing in all of us. We, we all have this on our heart because we're incarnational beings. We're, we're flesh. We want to be with others. Physical presence is a thing. It is a thing, and it stings when it's not possible. One of my closest friends and his family just moved to the Philippines uh, less than a month ago. Uh, and this brother and I had spent many, many years each week having breakfast, praying together, uh, loving one another over a meal, putting our arms around each other, weeping with one another. And this past week, I got to uh, FaceTime with him for the first time since he went over to the Philippines. And friends, it was great to see him. Thank God for the technology that allows us to be able to do such things, right? But there was obviously something in my heart that just longed to just be in the same room with him again, uh, to sit across a meal with him again. And that's because we, we long to be with those that we love. We long to be in the same room with our brothers and sisters and friends. We talked a lot about this, did we not, during the pandemic? Of course, this was a feature of the pandemic that we so desperately wanted to be together, but so often we were not able to. We were thankful for the technology. As much as we complain about it, we're thankful for Zoom. It was a, a way that we could stay in communication with one another the same way that we were thankful that Paul could write down on a piece of, a piece of parchment and send it 900 miles away for them to read. That, that was good. But what he clearly is saying is, I want to send these men back to you because they love you and you love them, and then I want to come too. I want to come too. Meaningful servanthood loves deeply and desires to be near the ones that we love. Love shows up. Now, of course, it, it can, cannot always happen like this. We know that. Circumstances change. Challenges arise. People move away. Kids get sick. Maybe you're even called away to the mission field. But the movement of our mutual love and service is toward one another. It's because Christ moved toward us. Christ moved toward us. And, and as we see how desperately these men want to move back toward the Philippians to serve them, we get a picture of Christ's desire to move toward us. So meaningful servant. Servanthood loves deeply and it also labors faithfully. That's point number two. Labors faithfully for the sake of the gospel. Now, Timothy, as we know, is a pastor. Now, he has co-labored with Paul for the ministry of the gospel, as he says there. Uh, he also uh, is a co-slave with Paul in the gospel. That's actually what verse 22 means when he says that he's served with me in the gospel. He's literally saying he is slaved for the gospel. He and Paul are not worldly leaders. Whatever comes into your mind when you think of a worldly leader, Paul and Timothy are not that. In fact, they're a picture of what Jesus says in Mark 10. Listen to the words of Jesus. Mark 10, 42 to 45 says this, And Jesus called to, to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you, for whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And we consider the difference between uh, the two men that we're talking about this morning, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, First of all, Timothy, we just said a pastor, he has more eyes on him. He has an upfront ministry. He has more eyes on him than Epaphroditus. Timothy shows up a lot in the New Testament. We read his name a lot. In fact, we have two books of the Bible in the New Testament named after Timothy. Paul wrote two letters to him that we have in our Bible. But the only place that we see and read of Epaphroditus is right here. This is the only place that we will see his name. And Epaphroditus is not a pastor. He's probably not even a deacon. He's a faithful member of the church in Philippi. But I love how Paul describes him. Describes him as my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister. Epaphroditus labored faithfully for the sake of the gospel. I also love that Paul, who is an apostle, who certainly has an upfront ministry, who is certainly well known, sees Epaphroditus as these things, as a fellow worker, as a soldier, a fellow brother, and he doesn't see him as a subordinate, doesn't see him as uh, down a little bit on the org chart. He has embraced him as a fellow worker on the, on the behalf of the gospel. I, I, love, I love that the Bible includes the name Epaphroditus. I don't know about you, but uh, when I read these uh, passages, particularly in the New Testament, when Paul is, is, re, is thanking the church for various gifts of the church and members of the church, I think of places like Romans 16, Uh, If you remember, that's the very last chapter of Romans, and the majority of that chapter is just Paul uh, listing names that we probably don't even think about, that we would never consider as we are thinking about who are our heroes of faith in the Bible. Paul rattles off names like Apelles and Urbanus and Stachys and Tryphosa. All of those are in Romans 16, and then we have Epaphroditus. But friends, these are, these are quiet heroes of the faith, are they not? Now, you and I may not think a whole lot about them. If I asked any of you, who are your favorite people in the Bible, I don't think that you're going to give me any of those names I just read. But these are the not-so-well-known brothers and sisters that labored faithfully as servants of Christ for the sake of the gospel to spread to the ends of the earth. What's encouraging to think about is why, why we might not think a lot about Epaphroditus. You might not have even thought about him at all before this morning. But his name is in the Bible. Isn't that incredible? His name is in the Bible, but most importantly, his name is written in the book of life. And even though we don't know much about him, except what we read here in this one passage in Philippians, the people of Philippi, the people of the Philippian church certainly knew him. Can you imagine how much they loved him? We might not know a whole lot about Epaphroditus, but they loved him. Most of us are not going to be famous. Most of us are not going to write books. Most of us are not going to have giant platforms. Most of us are not going to be giants of the faith like a Paul or a Timothy. We're not going to have big platforms like a John Piper or a Matt Chandler. But God is using us in incredible ways as we serve and labor faithfully for his church and the gospel. 
And so like Epaphrodites, there are so many of you here at City Church that pour yourself out for the gospel and for the church in quieter ways, in quieter ways. I didn't tell any of these people that I'm about to mention I'm going to do this, and, I, and so I'm going to just beg for forgiveness ahead of time. Uh, there are a few people, there are actually many of you, uh, who labor faithfully under the radar in many ways for the sake of City Church and the gospel. Uh, one person that comes to mind right now is up there in the booth. You're, you rarely see her. You certainly don't see her during a service, but Melody Knight. Melody Knight is our production manager. She is making sure that you, first of all, can hear me right now. Uh, she also makes sure you can hear the band, that everything up on the slides is running well. She and Blair up there right now doing that. She is pouring herself out for our church and for the gospel in a very quiet, unassuming way. And we thank God for Melody. There, there are fun, some right now who are watching a live stream of the service who cannot be here in person because of different reasons that her ministry is allowing for that to happen. I think of people like Kyle Voss and, and Jason Small who set everything up that you see here this morning behind us. The, the curtains, they make sure everything is ready in Kid City. Stephanie Selman helps set up the communion cups that we have up here in the front. Uh, Jordan Winkler uh, is pouring herself out every week, uh, putting together sheets that are in the table in the back for our city students who are in here, who are able to follow along with our sermon. She puts those things together quietly every week, and some of us may never know that was happening, but I want you to know. I want to honor such people, as Paul says, we honor such men like Epaphroditus. These friends and, and many more show us all the more Christ. They show us Christ. That the God of all things who emptied himself of fame of God to come and serve us. Born a baby, spent his life as a poor carpenter, nothing impressive about his appearance. He took on the form of insignificance in the world's eyes that we might have eternal significance in God's eyes. He would die the naked, shameful death of a criminal so that we would be clothed and honored like royal children in him. Friends, a life worthy of the gospel, so much more is made up of a quiet, less flashy, day-by-day, week-by-week, faithful service. Meaningful servanthood labors faithfully for the sake of the gospel. This is what we give our lives for, that Christ would be glorified. As believers, our greatest cause is the gospel of Christ. Our greatest cause is the gospel. Do you believe that this morning? As we go about our day later today, as we go about our Monday and then our Tuesday, do you believe the greatest cause in our lives is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, even apart from Christ, everyone is devoted to a cause bigger than themselves. So, there, there are many people that we love and know this morning that are going to labor and give of themselves Maybe for uh, their school, uh, maybe their work, maybe even their sports teams. And we will see that later. There's going to be a lot of work that goes into really pumping up and showing how much we value sports teams later today. 
We know non-believers that serve their families and friends and other charities that they see important. And so we see that. We see that in good people, that they do serve their families and they do serve their friends and they give to charities and other valuable entities. But why do they do that? Why would they do that? We are all made in the image of God, and so service and sacrifice is part of our DNA. It's part of what allows human flourishing to occur. And so we are most human when we are self-giving and hard-working on behalf of others. That's true, but, it, but most everyone else who is apart from Christ, who is not living for the sake of the gospel is living out of a story that says, if I'm a good person and volunteer my time and money for a good cause, then I'm set. We've talked about the God-shaped hole in our hearts, that no amount of service, no amount of good works can fill that hole. We do not serve others for a good cause in order to get God and some of his glory We die for the best cause and are given Christ to give him all the glory. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the most human human ever. Jesus is the most human human ever who came to us because he loves us and labored faithfully and humbly all the way to the cross for us, all for God's glory. And this is why the gospel is the answer. The gospel is the answer. It invites others to consider what it means to truly live and flourish. To truly live and flourish for a cause so much more meaningful. More meaningful than a political party or a certain tribe or even the most noble of other causes. The gospel is what brings meaning to our life. Christ is the one that shows us meaningful servanthood is dying in order to live. Which brings us to the third point. Meaningful servanthood leaves much for the sake of the gospel. It leaves much. Paul has left personal freedom behind. He's in prison. Timothy is far from his home. He's he's been on mission with Paul uh, for a long time, away from his home in a town called Lystra. Epaphroditus has left Philippi to go to Rome, and he's nearly died. He's left behind health and safety. Friends, when we follow Christ, the call is to leave much. We're going to leave much. Might be relationships, certainly comfort. Maybe even some of us will be called away to different cities for missionary work. Everyone who is a part of overseas missionaries knows this and has lived this out. We, we may even leave our own physical lives, as many martyrs have done across the ages. As the author of Hebrews says, that they are not worthy of this world, but they are worthy of the gospel. Now, this is why Paul will say in Philippians 3, verse 8, that he's lost all things and considers them rubbish in order to gain Christ. So, leaving much gets us to gaining so much more. So, yes, we might leave much, but we are gaining Christ. Like, uh, like Epaphrodites, uh, Kent Brantley nearly died for the sake of the gospel in Africa. 
But also, like Epaphroditus, God had mercy on him and healed him. And Paul says, such men are worthy of honor. But apart from his sacrifice and near-death experience, no one would know who Kent Brantley is. And we would likely not even know who Epaphroditus is if it weren't for his service and his near death. But you see, they, they left much. They left and sacrificed much to honor Christ. They were obedient to nearly the point of death, following in the steps of Jesus, who was obedient to death. Now, many of us won't necessarily have our physical lives at stake for the gospel. Some of us may. Some of us, our physical lives may be put at risk for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But whatever is the case, the question this morning is, what is God calling you to leave in order to serve him? What are you being called to leave to serve him? How are you going to serve him? How are you going to serve others? How are you going to serve in your marriage, in your family? How are you going to serve in city church? What sacrifice is to be made? Is there a way you spend your time that you need to reevaluate? Are there unhealthy relationships that you might need to leave? Is, is the sacrifice that you're being called somewhere else? Is the sacrifice that you're being called to the mission field? Leaving much is taking a risk for Christ, but trusting his ways are good. I know we are all called to leave comfort. We're all called to leave comfort. We're all called to leave self-seeking pleasures and selfish ambition for the sake of the gospel. So that's one thing that we know for sure this morning. In fact, it's only because of the gospel that we can leave those things anyway. That faith in Christ sets us free from the lesser things of this world, from the bondage of sin, in order that we might truly live in and live for Jesus Christ. After all, Christ left behind the most that we would gain all things in him. Christ left the most so that we might have all things in him. I want to uh, wrap up our time this morning with kind of a summary of where we are so far in the book of Philippians. Um, because we are halfway through, and so congratulations, we've made it this far. Uh, we have a few more weeks to go. Uh, but as we are beginning to look toward the second half of this letter and Paul's final instructions to the church, I, th I think we see in this passage a way that everything that we've talked about up to this point kind of culminates here at the end of chapter 2. And so if we think about Paul urging the church to live lives worthy of the gospel, as we consider this morning meaningful servanthood and the life of Timothy and Epaphroditus, then we will be able to see how meaningful servanthood loves deeply, just like we remember meaningful friendships that love deeply. That was week one, meaningful friendship, great affection among friends who partner and serve for the sake of the gospel. We remember that Jesus himself calls us now friends. No longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. 
We also see as meaningful servanthood labors faithfully as we discover our meaningful calling. Meaningful calling was week two. Some of us called to be pastors or teachers or preachers. Some of us called to be faithful, unsung church members. Meaningful servanthood leaves much, which should remind us of meaningful suffering. As we leave much, we will suffer. We will suffer to various degrees. But in service to Christ, we've been told that suffering and persecution will come. We may even lose our own lives. But we follow in the path of our servant king, who displayed meaningful humility and meaningful obedience in his emptying himself and going to the cross to save us from sin and death. This is why the gospel brings ultimate meaning to life. That the enemies of God and of others are now friends and called to serve and worship him. Our sinful, prideful, stubborn hearts are now transformed to lay down our lives in humility and in unity look out for others' interests as we obey Christ. Christ is working in our hearts. God is working in us to bring about lives worthy of the gospel. And may we thank him as we go to him in prayer. Father, thank you that, that we have the ultimate uh, example and also our ultimate hope in you. That apart from you, we are lost, that we are living meaningless lives, that we have no hope apart from you. Father, that you would send the Son to be an obedient servant, to serve you and others all the way to the cross where he humbly laid down his life for his friends. And that you would raise him up on the third day and that in him we have new life, we have eternal life, we have life abundant. And so we thank you for that. And it's out of the overflow of our affection for you that we might dare love and serve others. So I I pray for a, a servanthood to rise forth in City Church to thank you for the servants that are represented in this room already, the gifts that you have given our church, the ones that are here this morning that pour their lives out for the sake of the gospel, that love deeply for the sake of the gospel, that labor and have left much to honor and serve you and your people. And we're so grateful that you have given us one another and given us the body that we might all the more see these pictures like we have in this passage from Timothy and Epaphroditus of how much you love us and how much of a servant you are. And now you're the risen king. And we love you and we're grateful that we will see your face one day. Help us this morning as we continue to worship. It's in Christ we pray. Amen.